Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl. We have been married for 28 years. We've got eight kids ages 13 to 26 and four grandkids. We have been homeschooling over 22 years. And out of our eight kids, five of them are boys. So I thought it would be fun and encouraging to you and for me to talk about what that has looked like for us and hopefully give you some encouragement as you're raising and homeschooling your boys. Today, I'm specifically gonna be talking about junior high and high school ages. Last week, I talked about elementary school age. And then the week before, I kind of just talked about boys in general called the distinctiveness of boys. So if you want to, um, I think it would be great if you went back and listened to those two, because there's a lot in both of those podcasts that I think you would be encouraged by. So the pastor asked, what do you think our society portrays, models, and says a man is or should be? Our married daughter, Jenna, answered this way. I think society asks way too many different things of men. Seems like all women want these days is a clean-shaven, bearded, fully mature man-child with a gay man sense of style, but obviously a masculine man who's perfectly honest but also never says anything negative. Oh, and he has to want a family, but also not hold a woman back or pressure her to have a family. And he has to have a traditional, but also open-minded, non-traditional, non-judgmental worldview. (laughs) When I read that, at first I just laughed and laughed and laughed. But as I thought about it more, it was actually quite um, eye-opening and uh, disturbing. That's the only word that I can come up with. I, I just realized how much of a mixed... Um, message, how, how many mixed messages our boys are receiving. I mean, think about this. Can you even imagine how much stress and anxiety and depression can result from feeling that kind of pressure? None of these things are consistent. They don't tie together. They're, they're opposites. And so what we want is we want to land in a place of truth. What is it that God has for our boys? What is it our boys are called to? So we've got all of this, these mixed messages coming towards, you know, coming at our boys, coming at us as moms. And like I said, not making any sense, not really tying together. And yet this is what our boys are facing. And this is what we're facing as moms and homeschooling moms, as we're trying to um, educate and raise up our boys. So the truth is we are just truly engaged in a battle for our sons' hearts and lives. We have the privilege of walking alongside of them and leading them courageously and boldly into manhood. We will, and we are, we are facing resistance, but our sons are worth any war we have to wage. Wouldn't you agree with that? I just want to remind you, just take a second right now to remind you that you were made for this. God has matched you up perfectly with your boys and your boys with you. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard sometimes. It doesn't mean it's not going to be a battle and it's not going to be a challenge. But in the end, this is God's plan for your life. 
And you can embrace that and you can turn to him and ask for wisdom along the way. And I'm telling you, he will give it to you. That is my experience. And that continues to be my challenge and my experience as a mom. Our boys are ages um, almost 23, 20, 19, 17, and 13. So we've sort of run the gamut and all of our boys are in different places right now. And I'll be sharing that a little bit further uh, down the road. But today, I wanna talk more about boys in this junior high, high school age. But before I do that and jump into that, for those of you who don't know, um, well, I introduced myself already, but if you're not connected with me on Facebook or Instagram, I encourage you, if that's a place that you spend any time and would like to be connected, um, I'm on Facebook at Dorenda Wilson. That's my public page. And then on Instagram at Dorenda Lee Wilson. And then I also have a blog, DorendaWilson.com, where I've been writing for about four years now. And you may find some things that I've already written that will be encouraging to you. So I encourage you to go and check that out. Um, also to get on the subscriber list because then you'll, new, you'll know whenever I've written something new or a new podcast comes out. Also, if you can leave a rating or a review from wherever you're listening, I would love that and really appreciate it. And share if you're encouraged and inspired, share my podcast, blog, whatever on social media. That would be fantastic. Um, I really just, my heart is to get a message of encouragement out to moms and homeschooling moms. The last thing I wanted to tell you about is The Unhurried Homeschooler. That's a book I wrote a couple of years ago. It's a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. And you can find it at Amazon. I will put it in the show notes on my blog in the post that's associated with this podcast. Like I said, I did a couple other uh, podcasts on boys, the distinctiveness of boys and homeschooling the elementary ages. It was not; those were not exhaustive um, on the subject of boys. We could talk on and on and on about this. And as I've been doing these notes and these podcasts, I'm beginning to think that I might need to write a book on homeschooling boys or even just raising boys up to be men. Because the other day, I was talking to another mom of grown sons, and I was telling her how I've been wrestling through this podcast on boys. The truth is that I've recorded two one-hour episodes, guys, and I dumped them both. There was just something not right with them. I could not, for the life of me, figure it out. At first, I wasn't sure what was going on. Really, why did it have to be so hard? But this friend confirmed what God was already telling me. I realized that as moms, especially homeschool moms, we are in the trenches of a very deep, powerful, and world-changing battle for the hearts of our boys. We cannot raise strong, healthy, godly men if we're believing lies about our sons. God created our boys to be men, real men. This doesn't mean that they're like on a testosterone overload or they aren't kind or polite or respectful or self-controlled, it does mean that we've got to let them explore, experiment, be adventurous and courageous and let them be warriors, the warriors they were made to be. Some are quieter about that and some are much louder as we all know, but they are warriors nonetheless. 
We need to let them be who God created them to be. And we need to be who God meant us to be in their lives. We need to love and encourage them, but not baby them. And can I just emphasize this? Do not feminize them. As homeschooling moms, because we're with them 24-7, right? It can be tempting to push our more feminine ideas onto them. This can cause our boys to be confused and feel like their natural inclinations are wrong. Obviously, we want them to have self-control, right? We want them to be other-oriented and we guide them that way, but we also give them the space to do some of this in their own way. We need to show them that we respect the ways that they are different than we are by working with them to encourage them to grow into healthy manhood. I hear from so many moms who are absolutely, um, they just feel they're overloaded and overwhelmed and they feel, uh, feel all kinds of fear and trepidation homeschooling their boys. And this is not a place that we want to homeschool from. We want to homeschool from a place of strength and one that requires us to be willing, that requires us to be willing to let go of our unnecessary expectations and do what's best for our boys. Can I just say humor is key. You might want to make a note of that. We need to be able to laugh at our differences with our boys and be able to be goofy with them. They love that. It's one of the ways that they know we are enjoying them. So I'll tell you a story really quickly uh, about one time when I did that. I, I've done this a lot with my boys, but this one really stands out in my mind because the look on their faces was priceless. All five boys, we lived in a small house at the time. All five boys were in one room. They were in their little bunk beds. So we had two sets of bunk beds and a pull-out mattress and that's where they slept. So they're in there and they are not going to sleep, doggone it, like they're supposed to. And you know, I've gone in there and gone, boys, go to sleep, boys, go to sleep. You know, no phase whatsoever. So finally I was like, all right. I want to get their attention. So I grabbed this airsoft gun or Nerf gun. I don't even know. It was some sort of gun, some sort of pistol. It was probably, could have just been a cat pistol. I don't know. But it, it, did, it did the trick, right? So I go into their room and I, and I hold the gun up and I'm like, all right, everybody better go to sleep right now. You should have seen the looks on their faces. They were laughing so hard, but they zipped it and it was funny. So anytime you can use humor when you're disciplining boys, it's, it's highly effective. I, I, I highly recommend it. And, and the looks on their faces are priceless. It will be on in my brain forever. And they never forgot it either. So... Um, Today we're going to be, I mentioned we're going to be talking about junior high and high school ages. And especially during this, this particular time, our boys need positive male role models in their lives. That could be a husband, it could be an uncle, it could be a friend. Pray for God to bring someone along that would be the role model that your son or sons need. They need to spend time with these men. My husband's role with our boys became more active during these years. Even though he wasn't homeschooling per se, 
he was having conversations with them because really, isn't that homeschooling? I can't tell you how much of our homeschooling has happened through conversation. And he had these conversations while they worked and they played alongside of each other. Conversations about politics and economics, cars, things that interested him that he was sort of passing on to our boys and discussing with them. And they had the freedom to ask questions and they formed um, their opinions in the, during that time and, and in those conversations. Um, you know, it's just basically guy talk. They need that guy talk. I've noticed with our boys, we had four in a row and then a girl and another boy. And the four older boys have just been buds, you know, all these years. And the youngest has come along, tagged along, you know, quite a bit. But because of the, the gap there, I'm, he's really ending up being more of an only child. And I've noticed there's some things he's missing out on and I'm trying to ask the Lord for wisdom as to how to uh, fill in that gap where he doesn't have to do every all of his guy stuff alone. Um, he's 13 right now. So I'm, I, I, I'm right there with you guys and I'm praying over, him, over our son as well. But our boys need good men uh, male role models in their lives. And like I said, that can be dads, adults, adult friends, grandfathers, uncles. God can bring these people along. Our kids have had just contacts at a, you know, a class they took where the teacher was a particularly great mentor to them. Our boys had a math teacher and a computer science teacher that they'll never forget. And God can do that. He can bring along exactly who our kids need, who our boys need. So we talked about the fact that our boys are receiving mixed messages. And during the elementary years, there's an element of that that we kind of have more control over. You know, we can protect them from a big portion of those mixed messages, you know, if we just pay a little bit of attention. But by junior high and high school, even sometimes a little younger than that nowadays, our boys are so much more aware and connected with the world around them because of the internet and just the way we're so much more connected and our, our kids are so much more connected to, to our culture and what's being said on Facebook and social media and that kind of thing. So they're more connected and so they're more conscious of these mixed messages. And this is a very tender time in their lives. I mean, I feel like there's a tender time, like there's tenderness all along the way, but this junior high, high school age, um, at this point, we can't protect them as much. And, and so it's really important for us to be sending very clear messages of the truth about who they are, that they hear more of that than they do the other. So one of the most obvious and detrimental messages being sent right now is that it is a bad thing to be a man. Have you noticed that? If you watch uh, the Disney Channel, well, just about any sitcom, um, there is a very poor view of what it looks like to be a man. And instead of uh, men and their gender being celebrated and respected, these boys are treated like defective girls. Even the men on the shows are treated like defective girls. And you know, this is especially happening in the public school system. And this is one of the most beautiful and wonderful gifts of homeschooling. And so I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. This is your age of opportunity. This is your moment of opportunity with your boys. And this homeschooling thing, this is what it's really about. 
is investing and encouraging our sons to be men, to shoulder them with responsibility. And we'll be talking about that more a little bit later. But the bottom line is, this is what it's about, to keep them on that path of what the truth is about being a man and what manliness really looks like. So this is the best thing about homeschooling. The curriculum and all that stuff is secondary. The messages our boys are getting about who they are and what they're capable of is primary. So the one of the best things about homeschooling, like I, you know, I just shared some things, but we can decide where our kids will spend their time who they will spend it with, and what kind of information they are exposed to. So the public school system is an archaic method of educating. It was actually created during the Industrial Revolution. So think about that. Basically, it was designed to train factory workers. What comes to mind when you think of factory workers? I don't think of creative, innovative, problem solvers, thinkers. Um, And with the world and the way that it's going, it's so quickly, technology is is going uh, faster and faster all the time. We need thinkers and problem solvers. We don't need factory workers. Not that they don't have a place and and there's there's a good spot for those and, and there's personalities that fit that really well. But we don't want to train all of our kids to be that, right? We want our kids to find the bent that God has for them and to walk in that. So here we've got this this system that is basically irrelevant. It is not relevant in this day and age. This is why it is imperative that we do not try to model our homeschooling after it. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're trying to copy the public school system at home, please stop and think this through. There are some elements to it that possibly we can use, but I know what happens is because this happens to all of us. If that's the only experience we had uh, for schooling, it's what we automatically go back to. And yet I believe God is wanting us to think outside the box and we want to be open to what our boys actually really need, not fall back on what we are comfortable with. And that's very, very challenging. So we don't wanna model our homeschooling after that. And can I just say, have you actually noticed the overall results of this? Think about this. We're tr- often we find ourselves patterning after that because it's all we know, and yet we really aren't happy with the results that we're seeing from the public school system. Otherwise, we wouldn't be homeschooling our kids, right? Okay, so this is my challenge to you as we're walking through this, that as I share how we homeschooled and I share the elements of uh, kind of how boys are wired and some of the things they need, I want you to be praying and thinking about how you can tweak your homeschooling days to be a better fit for your boys. The other thing is college. College is becoming more and more irrelevant. I guess more and more, more, less and less relevant, more and more irrelevant, (laughs) and less and less useful or necessary. It is really in our boys' interest, best interest, and our interest, best interest, sorry, to be thinking outside the box. So I'll be talking more about some great alternatives as I get further into this, uh, into what I'm sharing. Um, 
and as I share how we have and are homeschooling our five boys. Now, can I just say for our oldest son, college was, it worked out well for him. So far, it hasn't worked out for the rest of our boys, and I'll be sharing some of that later. So the truth is, here's the truth. Hold on to your hats. Boys are wonderfully knit together to accomplish great things, to make a difference. But as moms, we have to be willing to think outside the box and fight for their right to have a childhood, first of all, and second of all, to be a man. We need to tune into our boys, their giftings, and their passions while also building character, work ethic, and ownership. And I'm going to be talking about a lot of these things as I continue with this talk. So as I share our journey, I want to remind you that everyone's experience and needs are going to vary some. I'm, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to be able to find ideas that resonate with you. So be listening for those because that is most likely the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom. So like I said before, not everything is going to work for you that I'm sharing. Some things will work now um, and maybe not till later. My prayer is that you will find encouragement and confidence to think outside the box and follow God's lead for your boys. So last week we talked about elementary school age and how important it is that boys have time to explore and experiment, to be outside, to experience real life. I can't emphasize real life enough to you when it comes to boys. They are so practical and so um, tend to be so box oriented in their thinking. And uh, so I, real life is just something they learn so, they seem to learn so well from. We also talked about the importance of chores and one of those benefits of, of, of chores, well, there's many benefits, but one I, I think I failed to mention last time was how important it is for our boys to learn to follow directions. So that is uh, one of the benefits of chores. It also can happen in our, in our schoolwork as well. I love to challenge, that's one of the bo- ways that I have encouraged our boys to own what they're doing and to be more independent in their schoolwork is I want you, I tell them, I want you to read these directions. You know, this is in third, fourth grade, say even second grade, depending on where they're at, to say, what do these directions say? I want you to read these to me. Now tell me what you think they're telling you to do. Get them to think, get them to be able to listen to an instruction and be able to carry it out. So that's um, something you can practice every single day in your homeschooling. We also want to encourage their natural love for learning by not burning them out on schoolwork. When I say schoolwork, I mean book work. I feel like our kids are learning all the time. We always say that uh, school revolves around home life, not home life around school. So we're always learning. We're aware that we're always learning. And if we, if we tune into that, it really helps us relax more and realize how much our kids are actually learning along the way, just in real life alongside of us. So all of these things lay the foundation for higher learning and so much of it can happen naturally. We have to remember that it is a unique progressive journey for each child. This is why I really despise testing, but that could be a whole nother podcast, so I won't even go there. 
What I can share with you is what our boys have said was the most important thing that they learned. Because while I was wrestling through these podcasts and my notes that I've written and rewritten and prayed and labored over, I've also talked to our boys and asked them, what do you think? I mean, tell me the top things now that you're graduated, you're in the working world, you're making decisions on your own, you're providing for yourself. What are the most important things you learned? And hands down, every one, three graduated so far, and I think the, the fourth one would totally agree, and he's working pretty much full-time already, and he's still in high school. Work ethic. That is what they told me, was the most important. And again, I tie that back to the chores. Go back and listen to the last podcast where I talk about um, chores and the importance of chores and how our boys learn a strong work ethic from that. But really, what this all boils down to is ownership. Here's the thing. If we own too much of what our boys are doing, they will not own it. I don't know why that is, but boys just tend to be independent. They tend to, um, they want to own it themselves. And if you own, like I said, we own too much of it, they just take their hands off of it. So this is where we have to be watching for the cues that they're starting to own what it is they're doing. And we want to keep encouraging that. Um, so one of the things I used to do with our boys is, you know, again, I like I mentioned before, when they're having to read directions in a workbook, they need to follow through on that and, and tell me what it is they think those directions are saying. Um, a lot of times my boys would want to uh, work on things and experiment with, you know, all kinds of pieces and parts and tear things apart. And you know what? If I got in there and started trying to figure it out uh, for them, they would lose interest. And so be watching for that fine line there. There's, I think we have a part to play, definitely, but I think it's more along the lines of asking questions and showing interest and encouraging them that you know they're smart and wow, I can't believe you figured that out. And I'm telling you, that will get you miles down the road. So during the elementary years, I mentioned in the last podcast, we stuck to the basics, math and language arts. Language arts would be including handwriting, reading, you know, maybe some easy grammar books, that sort of thing. Uh, writing summaries when they get a little bit further down the road. I never expected that in the early, early years. Um, but after that, in the afternoons, they had lots of time for creative play and outside play, um, experimenting, exploring, just following their interests, basically. And for me, and I really believe this is important, this does not include screen time. This is real life stuff. So we wanna encourage them and provide the resources for them. I would go to yard sales and pick up things that were, could be torn apart and they could put together. And you know, there's ways to do this that don't cost a lot of money, but give our boys lots of um, resources and things they can put their hands on. So, um, Part of the reason we want them outside so much is they need that physical blow off. And as they get into junior high and high school, they still need this. Uh, some boys more than others, sports are good for this, uh, working out, um, just encourage some sort of form of physical activity every day. So obviously, you know, the boys we're raising are in fact 
different in so many ways. And again, this, you know, I've mentioned this before, all of this can be a bit of a sliding scale either way, but I feel like these essentials I'm mentioning are pretty darn consistent. So in junior high, you know, I separated the podcasts out because what I see and what I've seen in our boys is we do the elementary years. Um, Those elementary years, our boys developmentally are so very different than when they're in high school. And I feel like the transition happens somewhere between sixth, seventh, eighth grade. You start to see them transition and a lot of growth and development is going on. Um, the evidence of that can be, you know, loss of brain power. <laughs> um, I'm amazed at, you know, like our boys will just be super helpful at, you know, they're starting to just like really be able to do stuff that can be helpful at 9, 10, 11, 12, and then all of a sudden 13, they lose their brains. And this so many times is goes back to the hormones. It goes back to their bodies working really hard to start to become a man. And so it's really important that we aren't ridiculing that or making fun of it. And it's so hard to be patient with it. But if we can think to our own um, experiences with that sort of thing, think PMS, think perimenopause. And if you're far enough down the road, think menopause. <laughs> we lose our brains too. We forget things easily. And so we need to be gracious, but also maybe teach them how to uh, w- encourage them to find ways that they can uh, remind themselves of things. This is so important because again, this goes back to the ownership thing. So, um, so they're starting to transition And so somewhere in there, I start to require more than just math and language arts. Sometimes they've wanted it and asked for it in junior high and we've moved forward with it. Most of the time, we didn't start with a solid science history curriculum until high school. And the reason for that is because I feel like they're ready for more at that point and and that's been our experience. Um, But one thing that I do ahead of time is I let them know several years ahead um, that when they get into high school, I'm going to be giving them pretty much full ownership of their education. For one thing, it gives them something to look forward to and something to work toward, which raises the bar, right? We want to continue to raise the bar and we want them to continue to grow with that. Also, they uh, there's no surprises. When they get to high school, they know I've got to man up here and this is what's required of me and this is what I'm gonna need to be doing. This also gives their brains and their bodies time to develop more and to be more successful at owning their education and ultimately their life. It also gives them time to experiment more and be able to more clearly identify their interests. So if he's showing a lot of interest in a certain area that maybe... Um, has to do with history or has to do with science. You can gear your science in high school more towards that. Um, my idea with history and science in in junior high, sometimes junior high, but mainly high school, was to make sure that we've hit the basics. You know that they understand some of the basic things in science. For me, I, I love. Uh, there's a, there's a curriculum that I love and actually I'm gonna share that down the road so I'm not gonna, I don't wanna jump ahead of myself. So um, basically, you know, they're gonna live up or live down to our expectations. So we wanna raise that bar when they get into high school and let them know that that's what the expectation's gonna be. Now, here's the other really important thing is that we use a transcript 
that they understand isn't something that we came up with. It's something that we either got online or we got from the local high school to sort of use as our guide. Because I found that if there was a standard that... uh, wasn't mine that they were trying to keep anymore. They felt a lot more grown up. They seemed more interested in owning it because it was their thing. They're like, okay, this is the, you know, if they're going to go to college or they're going to go on to higher learning or even going to get a job after high school, this is the next step. I have to own what I'm doing right here, right now in ninth to 12th grade. And when they get that diploma, they are so proud of themselves because they earned it. And that's what we want. We want them to earn that diploma. So it starts out with them owning it. And this is their way and our way of starting to cut those apron strings. It's so important that our boys understand that we respect the fact that they're maturing and growing up and we are going to help them cut those apron strings. And we are going to say, yes, we want to give you roots and we've done that, but now we want to give you wings because we want you to fly, right? So with this transcript, the thing I love about it is it's initially basically someone else's transcript, but because we homeschool, we can tweak a few things according to the direction our sons are already going. Don't you love that? For instance, our son, Sam, is 17, and he is working at Chick-fil-A, and he is there 30 hours a week. That was his choice. This is not because Sam wants to work at Chick-fil-A for the rest of his life. But he is owning this job. He's owning this experience. He is learning a ton. And all of the things that he's learning there, I am going to translate onto a transcript. So this is the beauty of homeschooling. We can take these real life experiences and we can transfer them into real high school credits. So be thinking about that and praying about that. So I'm going to share a lot of the curriculum that we mainly used. I'm probably going to miss some of the things that we, you know, maybe used for a short time and I forgot about or whatever. So I don't want you to feel like you have to use what we've used, but I can highly recommend these things because they've been pretty consistent with all of our boys so far and all of our kids, actually. Um... I actually have hesitated to tell you exactly what we did only because I didn't want you to think that I was giving you a formula. But as I prayed about it, God was really convicting me and telling me that it may actually help set you free from unnecessary expectations to know how simple and yet effective our homeschooling has been. It is not because I'm so smart but it's because I simply listened to what God was telling my mom heart. I I could see, I could figure out, I could make a note of and notice the things that weren't a good fit for our boys. And even though it can be scary to take some of those things out because we wonder if if we're gonna be giving them enough, I did it anyway. And you know what? It worked. And I say to you, if you've got something that's already working, stick with it. You know, I'm going to throw these things out there, um, but I'm kind of of the mindset, if it's not broken, don't fix it. (laughs) So, okay, so I'm going to talk about our daily with these high schoolers. It was a very similar um, 
thing as when they were in grade school. So there's consistency here. And I'm going to talk about that more a little bit later, but it's very important that there's an element of consistency. What we're doing is we're building onto um, what this foundation that we've laid. So we've got these boys doing math and language in the mornings, but now we've added history and a science curriculum. And that means that they're probably not gonna be able to get it all done in the morning. They may have to go into the early afternoon, but generally by around two-ish with a lunch break, our boys were, our kids, our older kids, high school age, were able to finish what was in front of them, which gave them, again, still that uh, block of free time in the afternoon to explore more of their um, interests. So, you know, and you can also do things like we've done this with Sam right now. He is doing his history curriculum and instead of doing the activities in the book, he's reading and then he's writing a summary of what he's read. And I'm a big fan of summaries. I have seen them work miracles <laughs> in our boys and in our kids as far as writing goes. Um, because really you get it in one fell swoop. They learn sentence structure, grammar, um, punctuation, capitalization. But the main thing they learn is how to take what's in their head and put it out on paper. And the more they write these summaries, the better they get at them. I've seen them just improve drastically over the years. And so, you know, that is something we've utilized a lot. Um, but we want our boys to be exposed at least to the basics, like I was mentioning before, basics of science. Um, one of the things you can get is like the quick study laminated study guides or learning mats. Um, that's like a placemat with just your basic stuff on it. Um, everything from his, historical things like all the presidents um, to you know the scientific method to the basics of biology. You can get these and they can study these sheets and have just your basic core information because the bottom line is, you know, if they're not going to get into um, you know something that's science related or um, you know or history related, you know, we don't have to really dump a lot of that on them, but we do want them to understand some basics. And so the study guides are great. Um, also, I'll be sharing, like I said, some curriculum here in just a minute. Again, I keep trying to jump ahead of myself. <laughs> so one of the things that I want to share is a, is a story really quickly about a chemistry teacher that our son Luke had. Um, he was basically ready to retire. And he said, I'm really tired of teaching. I'm burnt out. Um, so I apologize if this isn't more in depth, but what I'm going to give you are the important things in the subject of chemistry. And what our son said, who's now 19, he said that was one of the best classes he ever took because the teacher in, in just hitting the basics allowed space and room for Luke to have questions. And as he came up with these questions, he would pursue the answers. And so he was, he, he had taken the skill of being resourceful and he applied it to these questions that he had about chemistry. And those questions came from having enough space, not an overload of information, but the basics, just getting the basics, touching on the basics and leaving room for, for questioning, leaving room for questions. So this is actually the key to help keeping them motivated and help them take 
ownership of what they're doing. See, Luke ended up taking ownership because this teacher didn't own too much of the class. The other thing that he did, basically, if it's overwhelming and too much info, we're gonna be killing that motivation and ownership. So... um, One of the things that uh, I want to share with you is also, okay, so that was science. So we're talking about science and uh, I'll share with you right now. I'll go ahead and share with you the the, um, resources that we use for that. Now, all of the resources that I'm mentioning here today, I'm going to have in the podcast notes. So we use Biology 101, which is done... Um, It's Biology 101, Chemistry 101, and Physics 101. And can I just say, none of our kids did every single one of those. I wanted, I felt like at least biology was important. Now, our our son, Sam, is going to go ahead and do chemistry because he really enjoyed this particular series. This series is done by Wes Olson. He is a homeschooling dad, but he was also a professor at a college. And so he has a full understanding of the important elements in a science curriculum. And I have heard reviews, read reviews on um, his particular curriculum given by uh, teachers who teach those subjects, for instance, biology. And what they said was every element that's important to know, every part of biology that would qualify as a legitimate high school credit is there in these um, in these DVDs. So these are DVDs with a PDF that you print up that has activities in it. Our kids didn't do every single activity, but they did a lot of them. And they can be very independent with this. And, that, and that's what I love about it. Even our younger son, um, our youngest son, who was pretty small when some of them were doing biology, would love to sit in and listen. And he remembers so much from those DVDs because they're just so well done and so uh, understandable. So that was one of our favorite science curriculums. We've also had... Um, We've used apologia. Specifically, we used anatomy and physiology, which was uh, wonderful. Uh, Jeannie Fulbright does those, and um, we absolutely love them. There's a a notebooking journal that goes along with it. So... um, I love the approach. It's it's especially if you've got a kid who's really interested in that particular thing. Right now, our daughter is considering becoming an LPN, and so she's taken on the initiative of of doing this particular curriculum. She added that to what she was already doing, and she's also studying. I mentioned those placemats before. She we've got a placemat on the human body, and she's memorizing all the uh, main large bones of the body. So this is what happens when we don't burn our kids out too early on schoolwork. They end up when they're 13, 14, 15, even, you know, right in there, they just take off like a P38 realizing, oh my gosh, I could learn this and I could learn this. And this is what I've seen with our kids, including our boys, is they, they were given the time and space that they needed. And when they were ready and they were uh, interested and engaged, boy, they just took off with it. So our job as moms is really just to give them the tools they need to be able to do that. So to me, that was basic math, Right. Um, basic language skills, meaning just kind of knowing how to write well, you know, like we're doing with the summaries, punctuation, grammar, sentence structure, all that kind of stuff, your basic stuff. But I read somewhere once 
And this just blew my mind. We do so much review and we pound, pound, pound so many things and we go back to things because the kids forgot because they weren't really engaged or whatever. But the bottom line is, it is possible to learn everything you need to know that our kids need to know. They could, could feasibly learn in two years. Did you hear what I'm saying? Everything they learn from kindergarten to 12th grade, they could feasibly learn in two years if they're engaged and motivated. So we need to stop worrying so much about this timeline. And we need to uh, start engaging our kids and encouraging them to own what they're doing. Okay, so I wanna talk about, um, I wanna talk real quickly here about history. So my take on history, this was my conviction. Now, everybody has you know, a little different viewpoint, but to me, um, for our kids, the very basics that I wanted them to have was a bird's eye view of world history. My husband and I were talking the other day about when we were in school, American history was driven into us, bah, 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 right? But we didn't really get a world view, a world, a, a, a view of what the world has been from, from the very beginning. And this is what I love, love, love about the mystery of history is she weaves together biblical history and world history. Together, you get to see how um, God and his people in the Bible affected world history. They were one. They affected each other. And so this is just, to me, absolutely fascinating and such a testimony to the sovereignty of our God. And this is what we want. We want to give our kids, our sons, a biblical worldview. And so we want them to see where was God in all of these happenings that happened throughout the world? And as we learn about other cultures, we learn that there are wars that have been waging for, for literally thousands of years. We aren't gonna fix what's happening in the Middle East with democracy because these wars and these the roots of this go way, way back to the time of Cain and Abel. So um, we, ch- I, I guess it wouldn't be Cain and Abel, it was uh, Isaac and Esau, or no, Jacob and Esau, sorry. <laughs> I get my Bible facts straight here, woman. Um, but bottom line is, this is what we want our, our kids to know because these are the decisions. They're gonna be the decision makers of the future. They need to understand what these other cultures, where they come from and what their history is. It is absolutely crucial. And so this is why I love the mystery of history. And like I said, I will include this in my podcast notes. I honestly, I'm just gonna be straight up honest. There, there's probably other great curriculum out there, but this is the one that we've camped out on and have absolutely loved for the reasons I just mentioned. Okay, so math. Um, We did Saxon. We did teaching textbooks. Um, Not both of those for every kid. Um, For for our boys who tended to be more math-oriented, Saxon was the bomb. They loved it. Our girls hated it. Our second son hated it. Our second son did really well with teaching textbooks. Math is not his strong suit. I knew he wasn't going to be pursuing a career in math um, or that was math related, but I did want him to have the basics and I wanted him to have some confidence. And teaching textbooks is excellent for building confidence in a uh, a kid that's math reluctant, I guess is how I would say that. 
also with our second son, uh, we did consumer math. Now, um, we did not do that with our two sons who were strong suited or had, had strong, okay, I need to figure out how to say this. We're strong in math. <laughs> um, because there was this gut feeling that they were gonna be able to figure this out. Um, they had other qualities as well that we felt like they're gonna, they're gonna be fine. We'll be able to just talk to them about it and they can ask us questions and we can, we can figure it out together. But our second son really wanted to walk through a curriculum that showed him uh, the basics of consumer math. What is a mortgage? What is interest rate? Personally, I think these are super important to have as uh, young adults and as graduating uh, students. So, but like I said, our other two boys tended to sort of glom onto that naturally. And our, our second son, um, because he wasn't as math oriented, really wanted to know that he had that under his belt. And so it was good for his confidence as well. So one thing that I wanna say also is, um, Oh, let me mention one more. It's the key to series. Now this series you can use down and all the way down into, into elementary ages, but it is on, um, it is basically little pamphlets. You'll go through one thing at a time, fractions, you know, several pamphlets on walking you through how to, uh, the basics of fractions, you know, all the math aspects of, of doing fractions. And then the next one would be maybe measurements. And then, so you, if you've got a kid who does better focusing on one thing at a time, that might be the route to go. And I will put that in the podcast notes. Lastly, language. Again, we did mostly summaries. Our boys really preferred that. Um, they just, they hated writing curriculum. Writing is a difficult thing to teach, I feel like. And, and here's the thing. I'm a writer myself, and I never, ever took a writing course because it really, I felt like it was just going to hamper my creative writing. The best thing that I've done and the best thing I've had our kids do is just write. Write and write and write and write. And what we did was this, this sort of plotting version of writing in our summaries. So every day, they're at least writing something right? And as they continue to do that, their writing improves. And as they are reading, because reading, you know, so we had our boys reading and then writing a summary. So they're reading what a narrative sounds like, what a, what good grammar, good sentence structure, they're seeing uh, punctuation and capitalization the way it's supposed to be written, right? So we're coupling these two things together and they are learning almost by osmosis and then by ex experience as they're uh, reading this and then they're writing it out and they're putting their thoughts on paper. So it's a very good combination of things. And that might not be for everybody. I know there are some, some other sources out there. There's one called the right source. If you've got a... Um, a someone who's going to be getting more into the language aspect of a career or whatever, you're going to want to intensify the writing probably. And the thing is, they're probably going to be interested in that anyway. So it's not going to feel like you're putting all this weight and this pressure on them. They're going to want to do it. They're going to want to improve it and want to do these things. The right source is a bunch of different pamphlets. Again, small booklets. One is on persuasive writing, one's on essay writing, and they're just very doable booklets. And when they finish, they feel like they really accomplished something. And so instead of a big, huge textbook, which we've never been big fans of, they have these small little uh, increments that they can learn from. 
also Brave Writer. That's one you can go check out. And um, as far as like punctuation, that kind of thing, if you feel like they're just really not quite getting that down, that seems to be a battle. Easy grammar, very basics, very basics in you know punctuation and capitalization and some of the different elements of the language arts. So there you have it. Those are the things that we used. Um, so really, again, what it comes down to is we want to encourage ownership. Ownership is key. So one of the things we've done is to ask our sons, what do they want to learn about? And then discuss how we were going to go about doing that. We would make them part of that process. Often our boys preferred that I would purchase, not purchase, but pick out three viable options for these their subjects. And then they would make the final choice. And so that gave me a lot of leeway to pick things that I really did feel were acceptable and were uh, a good fit and were thorough, you know, not the easy way out, but they would get something, uh, they would walk away with uh, all that they need. And, but then having them come in and make that decision, that final decision really helped them own what they were doing. They complain about their curriculum. I just say, well, I'm sorry, but you chose it. <laughs> and it can go back on them and we can in that way encourage ownership. So um, also asking them on the subjects that maybe don't fall under the core subjects, what, what, what would you want to learn about? Of course, most things fall under some of those subjects. And so that's a great way to pull that into their credits. So like I said before, ownership is the key when it comes to homeschooling our boys. We have to find out what helps them own what they're doing and make that our main goal. In the next podcast, uh, I'm going to be talking more about how to encourage ownership and some of the alternatives to college that are out there. Some pretty exciting stuff out there. So many of us go into the high school years with fear and trepidation, but I believe that God intended for these years to be some of the most rewarding and fun years with our boys. We start to see the possibilities that God may have for them, but best of all, they begin to catch a vision of the potential purposes that God has created them for. But as moms and homeschooling moms, we have to walk through this season in trust rather than fear. We need to continually pray for wisdom. We need to pray over our boys and we need to look where God is working and join in with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for... Um, just the encouragement that you give us from each other. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to be sitting here giving encouragement to these amazing moms who have taken on the incredible task, the incredible privilege and responsibility of homeschooling boys. Lord, I ask that you would give all of us a fresh vision and a fresh love and a fresh just perspective on our boys, Lord. We love them to the moon and back, and yet sometimes we don't understand them. So God, we pray that you would give us understanding. You would help us to be students of our boys, that we would um, guide them, we would disciple them, but we would let them own their life and their education, Lord. Give us wisdom and clear direction as to what that looks like, God. And I pray for your blessing over each and every mom this week, Father. Speak to her heart. Give her courage. 
Give her insight, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We thank you so much for these boys you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.